0: Now, I'm excited because the best ass whoopers are the ones you don't see coming. And no one. But no one knows a beatdown like Snap Judgment's Joe Rosenberg. Joe, take it away.
1: Robles' story starts, unlike most people's stories. Actually, really, truly, on the day he was born.
2: Well, you know, the story that my mom told me, you know, she was 16 years old when she was about to have me. And she tells me that when I I came out, she could tell right away, even though she was kind of loopy from the medication, she could tell right away that something was wrong. Just how quiet it got and how the doctors were looking around. And they basically, they rushed me right out of the operating room, didn't allow my mom to see me, didn't allow her to hold me, anything. And so my mom, you know, she's, she's sitting there just asking the nurses what's going on, where's my son, and no one's telling her anything. She didn't even get to, get to look at my face. And apparently they went to my grandparents first because they didn't know how to handle the situation. Everyone was in shock. And it was my grandparents ultimately that, that broke the news to my mom that her son was missing his right leg.
1: And little baby Anthony, he wasn't missing his right leg in the way you might normally think of there being like half of the thigh where, you know, they can put a prosthetic. Instead, there was simply no leg at all, all the way up to the hip socket. In fact, he didn't have a right hip either.
2: As soon as she heard, she tells me that her first reaction was, I just want to see him. You know, she said as soon as she saw me, as soon as she was able to hold me, um, it didn't matter. You know, she didn't see my missing leg. She told me that she, she told me she saw
1: perfection. Anthony grew up in Arizona not seeing himself as any different from any of the other kids. He says when they learned to crawl, he learned to wiggle. When they learned to walk, he learned to hop. And no one thought much of it.
2: And so, you know, growing up with with my my siblings, I didn't think it was a big deal. I honestly saw it as something as simple as, you know, my sister's a girl, I'm a boy. She has two legs, I have one. That was it. That's, That's how it was in our family.
1: And if you're picturing Anthony doing normal, everyday things, only more slowly, don't using crutches he was fast really fast
2: now i can run an eight minute mile but i remember once in on the playground you know i uh, grabbed the the green four square ball that was the the good one and one of the kids he runs up behind me and slaps it out of my hand And he takes out running he's like it's mine and so i just take off dead sprint on my crutches to catch him. And then you just see him look back over his right shoulder, and he sees me, and then his eyes get pretty wide, and I'm just barreling down the blacktop at him. So he takes off faster, but by that time, I was already on him, and I took him down with my crutch.
1: But Anthony's unselfconsciousness about having one leg, it didn't last. For one thing, as he got a little older, he was like any other boy growing up. He wanted to be popular, to feel normal. And that got harder. But maybe the biggest reason was his dad.
2: Ron. You know, I I just noticed kind of little things of how he treated me differently than my siblings. You know, he'd always call my brother Nicholas mijo, you know, my son, and he never called me that, ever. And I just, I felt like he was meaner to me for some reason, and I'd kind of start to hide from him. I was like, you know, I don't don't want to give dad a reason to to yell at me. And, you know, still going through the whole things with the missing leg, I kind of started to think that was the problem, that was the
1: reason. Of course, I'm not going to ask that. But it turned out he didn't have to ask. Because when he was nine years old, Anthony's father finally told him what was going on.
2: Uh, we're sitting in the parking lot in this van because my mom, she's getting her hair done. They got the AC on and we're listening to the radio. My brother Nicholas, he's asleep in the car seat, you know, and I'm just quiet, you know, I'm just looking out the windows. And uh, I just remember my dad just turning off the radio and he's like, you know, I got, I want to talk to you about something, you know. He's and he's like, uh, he's like, have you ever met my dad? He asked me if I ever met his dad, and and I was like, yeah, dad. I was like, you know, we met that one time. And I was telling him, he's like, oh yeah, he's like, I, I forgot that. He's like, well, he's like, did you know that um, my dad didn't raise me? And I was like, mm, no, I didn't really understand what he was saying. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I, I had, I had a stepdad, and he said. You know, I just wanted to let you know, he's that that I'm not your real dad. And he stayed quiet for a second, and it his words didn't. It took a second to impact me. Like I'm like, wait, what? Like what did you say? I was like, Dad, you've been there since the beginning. Like your mom and dad. Like what are you talking about? And he's just like, you know, I'm I'm not your dad. He's like, you have another dad somewhere else. And he said, if you want to find him one day, he said, I'll help you find him. He said, we can look him up, but I just wanted to let you know that. And that's where he stopped it. You know, he basically just turned back up the radio and that was it. There wasn't, I'm not your real dad, but I still love you. I'm not your dad, but you're still my son. Nothing. Literally, that was it. And he just brought my world down right there.
1: Anthony had always felt that if he belonged anywhere, it was with his family. And now he felt like an outcast. And even though he knew his mom and his siblings loved and supported him just as much as before, invariably his dad would do something to remind him that he was different. The other. And while he was struggling to fit in at home, he was struggling more and more to fit in at school.
2: I really started to to look at my crutches and notice how they make the clicking noise. You know, and, and anybody who's used crutches before, they, they they understand what I'm talking about. You know, when, when the... Uh, It hits the ground and it clicks over and over and over again. And, you know, walking through the hallways when it was quiet, I was embarrassed to hear that noise. And so uh, I finally figured out that if I taped the bottom of my crutch, it would make myself a little bit less noticeable to everybody
1: else. But while all this was going on, Anthony was also hanging out with this cousin who was on a wrestling team at one of the local high schools always trying to tell me, he's like, you know, you should get into wrestling. You should get into wrestling. He's like, I think you'd be good at it. You're little, but you're strong. Only Anthony kept putting him off. He just couldn't imagine himself as a wrestler. Until finally, one day, his cousin dragged him to a wrestling practice and said, you don't need to do anything. Just watch.
2: And you could just see they're drenched in sweat. They're all bleeding. Their faces are all scarred up. You know, so I'm I'm watching these guys just beat on each other. I'm like, dude, that that looks like it hurts. (laughs) That doesn't look fun at all. And my cousin's coach walks up to me and he said, our little guy, our 103, doesn't have a a teammate today to wrestle with. Do you want to jump in with him? And I'm like, no, coach, I'm good. He's like, no, thank you.
1: But my cousin right away, he's like, dude, you got to try it. So Anthony put down his crutches and standing on his one leg, squared off against a 103-pounder, this skinny guy, who nevertheless had a really mean look on his face. We
2: shake hands. I hear that whistle blow. And he just comes straight at me. You know, just slams me on the ground. And, you know, I'm shocked for a second. I'm like looking around, and I just remember hitting the ground and it hurt, but I got mad. I was like, what the the heck, you know, who does he think he is? And right away, the fire just lit in me because I was thinking to myself, I can beat this guy. But I, I didn't know
1: what to do. So Anthony jumped up and fought back with, I guess, you know, the first move that occurred to him. Basically just trying to grab his head and squeeze it. And yeah, no, that didn't work. Anthony got owned in that match.
2: So his coach blows the whistle, and I'm just breathing ridiculously heavy, and now my face is all swollen, and I'm
1: bleeding. But in my mind, this is where I'm supposed to be. I also kind of, just hearing you talk about it right now, with your being like, I can beat this guy. I wonder if there's something really refreshingly simple, ultimately, about the sport, which is like, there's no excuses. You either win or you can't. Like, there's not going to be... It doesn't, it's really not going to matter about the leg or not.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and, and I felt like, you know, my whole life, it was always about what I, what I couldn't do because I was missing the leg. But wrestling, the best guy in the wrestling room, he just has to be able to figure out how to win with what he has.
1: When you got home after that practice, did your parents, um, or particularly did your dad have anything to say about it um at least at first at first yeah and you know and it it was it was
2: really surprised because despite a lot of the negative stuff we did have some positive things growing up you know and one of the positive things we shared was we used to love watching ufc mma and so when i told him i wanted to wrestle he got excited about it um you know, it wasn't long after I started my first wrestling season that he went out and bought the movie Vision Quest. It's basically it's like it's a wrestling movie. It's, you know, any any wrestler who wrestles knows what Vision Quest is. They've seen it. But I knew it was just wrestling had my heart from there on out.
1: And so Anthony joined his freshman high school team, the Eagles, and a few months later found himself entering his very first official wrestling competition.
2: So we're all standing in the wrestling room. We're we're huddled up. We're we're doing our Eagles on three chant. I have my crutches, and I'm all excited about it. They open up these double doors into the the gym. And as soon as I come out, some lady in the crowd, she starts laughing. And she was looking right at me when she was laughing. I'm talking like, this is hilarious. Like, it's the funniest thing she's ever
1: seen. And all of a sudden, it, it just, it all went away. It's like, dang. And then there was the match itself, because right off the bat, Anthony's opponent... You started kicking my butt. Anthony actually described this match to me in detail, but we're going to skip to the end when his opponent had him on the ground in a headlock. And so he
2: has my head in my arm, and he's cranking my head up to try to pin my shoulders to the mat.
1: When both your shoulders touch the mat, that's called getting pinned. And it's kind of the worst thing that can happen in wrestling. You lose automatically. And... I can't, I really,
2: it's hard for me to breathe down there. And I was fighting, and I was like, man, don't don't get pinned, don't get pinned. And then I heard the ref blow his whistle and slap the mat, you know, which means, you know, both my shoulders touched the ground, it was over, and I got pinned. I just remember laying there and looking up at the ceiling for a second and then rolled off my back and walked right back into the the, the wrestling room by myself. And the opposing coaches, you know, when we went through to shake people's hands, they took an extra second to tell me good job, you know, that I had heart. And um, some people from the stands were saying, good job, Robles, you know, just kind of yelling it. And the crowd was clapping, but it, it it didn't do anything to make me feel better. You know, if anything, honestly, for me, it just made me feel worse because I never wanted the sympathy treatment. You know, So it, I just remember just sitting there just upset and in a blur and just really trying to ignore people telling me good job because I just didn't want to hear it. It's like, I didn't do a good job. What are you talking about good job? I don't care about having heart. I want to win.
1: What What was worse, um, the woman laughing at you or the sympathy clapping at the end?
2: The sympathy clapping at the end. It, it was just like I, I got the, the try hard award. You know, I wanted people to look at me and see me because I was
1: good, not because I was missing a leg. Of course, this is a catch-22, right? Because when you're missing a leg, it's hard to be good, really hard.
2: And the end of my freshman season, I finished, I literally finished last place. Uh, Last place in, in Mesa City Tournament. And I went home that night, and I just sat in my room just angry. I was like, I know I can do better. I know I can be better. It's not happening, what do I need to do? And that's when
1: the Eagles got a new coach, Coach Williams. Anthony describes Coach Williams as stealth-like. He says he was one of those guys that likes to stay out to the side of the practice. Not saying much, but watching everything.
2: But during one of the times when I'm resting, Coach Williams comes up to me, he's like, hey, you know, I want you to drop down to your knee from neutral.
1: In other words, when the wrestling match started, Coach Williams wanted Anthony to immediately drop down and assume a kind of squatting position instead of standing up.
2: And initially hearing that, I'm just thinking, you know, the other guys aren't doing this.
1: To understand why the coach's suggestion made Anthony so uncomfortable, you have to understand that he wasn't just crouching down on one knee the way a two-legged person might. Instead, the coach was asking him to tuck his one leg underneath him such that he just looked like a torso with no legs rising to about waist height. The first time I saw a video of this position, I have to admit, it looked really weird. It's the opposite of inconspicuous, and you can only imagine how Anthony felt taking that knee in front of everyone else.
2: So I tried it like maybe one or two times, and then, uh, you know, when Coach kind of walked away, I stood right back up, and Coach just kept forcing that, little by little, you know, he was very patient, very, uh, uh, just very kind of calm, you know, every couple days, like, try the stance, drop down to the stance, but still, that was always in the back of my mind is, you know, everybody else isn't doing it, I don't want to do it. With all my heart, I didn't want to be different.
1: But eventually, Anthony caved. He stuck to the stands. And once he did, something remarkable happened. He started winning, a lot. Sophomore year, 30 wins, about 12 losses. And his wins were tournament wins.
2: I was a Moon Valley champion, Mingus champion, East Valley regional champion. And these weren't just from his sophomore season. Um, every season because there were so many things that could play to my strengths in that position. For starters, there
1: was Anthony's new offensive clout.
2: I would kind of coil my leg up underneath me, use my arms almost like legs and kind of explode off of the ground, almost like a snake, and it caught guys off guard. So his
1: opponents would have to come down to his level right away to try to get a hold of him. But because Anthony had been using crutches since he was a toddler, he had incredible grip strength. And... If
2: guys wanted to try to attack me down there, they'd first have to put their hands on me. And so that put me in a position where I was like, okay, okay you know, let's see how strong your hands are. But Anthony's were almost always stronger. He's actually got scars all over them from these matches. Because when I would grab that wrist, they'd reach down, they'd start clawing at my hands to try to get me to let go. I even had a couple guys grab me at the top of my finger, at the tip, and try to break my finger. But that was my rule, was like, you know, you get the wrist, you don't let it go. And so, I like to look at the scars as like trophies, you know, so they didn't get away.
1: But Anthony was particularly dominant during a critical phase of every match called the Scramble.
2: You know, and really for those, you know, don't know the Scramble, it, it's basically, you know, just think of like that dust cloud. you <laughs> know Just like the cats and dogs in the cartoons, you know, we're rolling around like crazy. Whoever gets on top
1: in the Scramble, they score the points. The cardinal rule of the Scramble is that you're not supposed to think. There's no time for that. Instead, you have to rely on muscle memory. The moment you grow self-conscious and try to strategize, you immediately lose. So practicing, developing the correct muscle memory, is essential. But during the scramble with Anthony, his opponents would grow confused. Their muscle memory would tell them to go for a leg that wasn't there. Their normal balance suddenly fell off. Nothing seemed to work. Whereas Anthony always got to scramble, and more crucially, practice against typical two-legged opponents. Because he was the only one
2: with one leg. And so that's something that really gave me confidence when I'd step out on a mat. You know, I was like, I have the answers for anything they can throw at me, but they don't know what I'm gonna do.
1: In his junior year, Anthony went undefeated, 48 to zero. His opponents couldn't score a single point. When he made it to the final match of the Arizona State Championship, it wasn't even close. The crowd gave Anthony a standing ovation. And this time, it wasn't out of sympathy. It was because he was the best wrestler in the state. Period.
2: I looked up at my family section first, and so, you know, they're all cheering and crying. And My dad, he was there, um, and he was actually crying too. You know, he was cheering for me, and I just remember them saying that they were proud of me. But, um, I mean, I always knew my mom was proud of me. Like, you know, I I never had to hear that from her. But just to see my dad, I think that kind of hit me the most emotionally was... uh, just seeing how happy my dad was. You know, just seeing... that
1: um, he was proud of you.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: didn't get to see that much. That night, Anthony went home, knowing that winning state might be a stepping stone to even greater things. Perhaps a national title. Then on to a top-ranked college. And eventually, if he stuck with it, the Olympics. But first, for one final pick-me-up he decided to go check the wrestling forums online and absorb maybe just a little more praise.
2: And it's like one of the top uh, subjects at the very top, it was my name, Anthony Robles. like, sweet, you know? So I click on it and some dude posted a big old long thing about, uh, he was asking, you know, he wanted to know other people's opinions. He's like, okay. He's like, you know, Robles just won his first state title. He's like, but I gotta say, he's like, I think
1: it's an advantage him missing a leg. This was the beginning of an accusation that would dog Anthony for the rest of his career. The argument that he had an unfair advantage was twofold. The first was the issue of the scramble, that his opponents never got to practice against anyone with one leg, but the second regarded his weight. You see, because Anthony was missing a leg and the pounds that would go along with that leg, he got to compete in a lower weight class, even though he had the torso of someone in a higher weight class. His critics predicted that if he went up against opponents of a similar size, he would lose. This debate hadn't gotten much traction on the forums before. But now that Anthony was a state champion, it seemed like it was all anyone wanted to talk about.
2: Uh, I mean, there were literally, like, I'd say at least 200, 225 posts on there uh, of people just going back and forth arguing the topic. It pissed me off. <laughs> I even responded to one of them uh, who was saying I had an advantage. He said oh, something else. Did. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of went off of him, you know, called him a jerk. And it's was like, you know, you didn't see
1: the hard work I put in. This was Anthony's primary rebuttal. But sure, maybe he had an advantage in any one match now. But it's an advantage that he developed, that he honed. In the long run, he came from behind. You know, where was this advantage
2: two years ago or the rest of my life? You know, the no one size is an advantage. You know, like I, I didn't just wake up and all of a sudden I was good at wrestling and I was winning these matches. Like I, I busted my butt in that weight room. You know, we were pushing cars in the 110 degree summers in Arizona over speed bumps so I could get stronger. You know, and all of a sudden because my hard work was paying off, I, I told him, "He's like, you know, you're not going to take my hard work away from me." I told him, I, "I worked for it, so
1: it's mine." And with regards to the weight, Anthony's rebuttal was actually far more practical which is that everyone was trying to be the biggest wrestler in their weight class. There were some guys with large frames who were known to drop down 25 pounds from their natural weight. That's four full weight classes, just so they could loom over their opponents.
2: It's like, okay, you know, so how, how are you going to say it's, it's unfair for me when you got guys dropping that much weight to get down to a weight class? You know, it's like, okay, if you want to make it fair across the board, then nobody cuts weight.
1: You know, but that's, that's part of the sport. But the other aspect of the debate that really upset Anthony didn't have to do with the criticism of whether he deserved the title or not. It just had to do with the fact that it was all about his leg. You know, when I was
2: started wrestling, I never wanted to be the wrestler known as, you know, the, the guy missing the leg. And so I felt like if I could just get to the top, that wouldn't be the factor anymore. You know, that wouldn't be what they were talking about. It wouldn't be the wrestler was missing his right leg. And if all that
1: weren't bad enough, the ongoing debate ensured that even after winning the national championship his senior year, Anthony only got one full-ride athletic scholarship to a college he didn't want to go to. So he decided to go wrestle for the big local school, Arizona State. And when he told his dad about his decision... He just, uh,
2: man, he ripped into me. He just went off. Um, You know, he he was telling me how I, I needed to grow up, how I needed to be a man, how I was a mama's boy. But, I mean, it it was just stuff like that from there on out. Just little stabs that he would come at me with. You know, especially in that summer before I went to to college. He took it and just kind of made it something that I was just afraid of. And it put me
1: right back to where I started. It was as if the state championship, the national championship, they didn't count for anything. Not to Anthony's critics and not to his dad. So entering college, it was like he had this permanent chip on his shoulder that he didn't even want. And so that was, that was a struggle going through my freshman year. Because
2: out on the wrestling mat, time was running out. Then mentally, I would start thinking to myself, don't make a
1: mistake. In other words, during the scramble, that crucial part of the match when you're not supposed to think, now Anthony was the one who was overthinking it. Take, for example, his very first match in his very first day of practice as a college freshman.
2: Because I hadn't been pinned since well, my freshman year of high school. But probably about 45 seconds after I get my first takedown, uh, the guy I'm wrestling, he reverses me, and I get pinned. And, uh, you know, that, oh, man, that was hard. I just remember just putting my head on the mat, just
1: thinking, dude, this this didn't just happen. Anthony's record his freshman year was mediocre. He wasn't an All-American, and he didn't make it to the NCAA National Tournament. But then one night toward the beginning of his sophomore year, he decided to take the 20-minute drive back from the dorm to his parents' house to see his family.
2: And I pull up to the house and you know, I park, and, and the lights are off in the living room, which usually wasn't the case. And you know, I walk in and I see my siblings they're all sitting on the couches in that living room with the lights off. They're like looking down at the ground, just quiet, like they're just scared. And you know so I look at them and I'm like trying to figure out what's going on, and I just hear the yelling in my parents' bedroom. And I heard something, like a loud noise. And then I heard my mom just say, get your hands off of me. And it just, you know, that moment uh, kind of snapped for me. And I, I called the cops. But the door opens in the, the, my, my parents' bedroom. And dad comes out first. My mom's, like, right behind him. She's crying. And, you know, she kind of walks up and she, like, stands behind me. And I'm on the phone still. My dad's like, "Who are you calling?" And so I just ignore him. I just keep right on talking to the uh, the dispatcher, telling you know where the address is and all this stuff. And uh, my my dad's like, "Who are you calling?" And I was like, "They just came out of the room. You gotta hurry." And I, I hung up the phone and I just stared at him. And he said, "His kids would never call the
1: cops." His quote unquote real kids.
2: Yeah, his kids would never do that. And I can't. I don't remember what he said to me after that, but. It was kind of that point to where I just i really i mean I love my dad still, but I just lost all my respect for him that night. I wasn't afraid of him anymore, I didn't care about his opinion anymore you know it's it's done we're we're done, and uh you know if someone tell ask me you know when was it, that was it. It was that night.
1: Anthony's dad would eventually divorce his mom. they live separately now, and a little while after that, Anthony stopped talking to him
2: and um you know, I, for me, I never wished I had another leg. Just the thought of having to never crossed my mind. But, you know, I, I wish I had it dead, And I guess I don't.
1: Anthony is the first to point out that his relationship with his dad, or his critics, weren't the only factors in his wrestling performance. But by the time he entered his senior year, he said he just felt lighter.
2: You know, it, it, was, just, it was just a different uh, mentality I had never experienced before because instead of worrying about the relationship with my dad when I got home and all that stuff, you know, I wasn't spending a ton of time in my life upset about these things that I couldn't control. And so, uh, you know, at that point, I just, I (laughs) I didn't care
1: anymore. Anthony's senior season, he once again went undefeated. And just before entering the final round for the NCAA championship title, he made an announcement. Defying both convention and expectations, he told reporters that he would not be trying out for the Olympics. Instead, he was quitting the sport. He simply wasn't interested in proving himself anymore. When he was wrestling and, yes, dominating his opponent in the final match, he knew it would be his last. It was
2: weird because usually in a match, always in a match, i never have time to, like, think about outside things. That match, though, it just seemed like I was just thinking about a lot of stuff. You know, I was... Uh, I was thinking about my family, and you know I just remember getting down to like the last ten ten second mark, just thinking you know this is uh this is it you know it 's time to time to say goodbye. I was so calm, I mean the roar of the crowd didn 't bother me anymore i there was no nerves, and you know they get down to zero. I just remember just just closing my eyes i just I didn't want to move, you know just that moment um I was at peace.
0: Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. Many, many thanks to Anthony Robles for sharing his story with the snap. And if you dug it, there's so much about his journey that we didn't get into check out Anthony's memoir. It's called Unstoppable, From Underdog to Undefeated. It's being adapted for a film that's going into production in 2018. Also, since Anthony left wrestling, he's embarked on a career as a motivational speaker helping people all over the world. You'll find links to the book and to Anthony's website at snapjudgment.org. And if you want to share this story As a warning to any fool who wants to get up in your face, subscribe to the Snap Judgment podcast at snapjudgment.org. The original sound design was by Renzo Gorio, and that story was produced by Joe Rosenberg.